Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. And I always love to see how I get introduced when I go to places and share, and that's got to be one of the best, simply because if that were true, that if everybody always does what Gary Fowler says, then life would be so much different for me and everybody around me. That would really be fun. And uh, there's clearly a, an inside story to that, and it's an inside joke that uh, Sarah helped us walk through our, our mortgage. She did our loan for us. And uh, so as a celebratory reason, I said, now you get to go buy yourself a dress. Well, apparently that caused some tension in their marriage. And so then I had to walk Corbin and Sarah through some financial conversations. Totally kidding about that. But now every time I'll text, I'll say, hey, thanks for responding. Go buy a new dress. So literally, I probably told her to buy a new dress about 700 times. And Corbin really did like, dude, stop it. So, <laughs> and I'm always, I always love that there really isn't when there isn't an introduction because that makes me feel like it's uh, somewhat home. So I've been here several times, but if I've not had a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Gary Fowler and I absolutely love this church. I love Corbin and Sarah. And Corbin and Sarah are just those people that when you're around them, you just, it's, it's awesome. You just have fun. You just smile a lot. You laugh a lot. And, and I just thought about myself growing up in the church and, and I just think my pastor was nothing like Corbin and pastor's wife was nothing like Sarah. And I just look at that couple and I think if you, if you can look at them and you just say, man, it's, if I, I don't want to become a Christian because if I do, then I can't have fun. Well, I think Corbin and Sarah are like the perfect example of that's not a true statement. If you're not having fun, you know, following Jesus, you're doing it wrong because they are a great example of what it looks like to follow Jesus, have fun, have a normal, whatever normal family looks like, right? Speaking of normal families, one of the biggest reasons I love coming here is Corbin's dad. That man can hug like nobody's business. In fact, I was telling Corbin, I'm like, that should be like part of your membership process that once they go through, if you've got growth track or whatever, if there's a membership, it's like, that's like the culmination of you now belong and make Corbin's dad hug everybody. So it's like, if you know Corbin and Sarah and then you meet Corbin's dad, it's like, oh, it just all makes sense, right? He's just such a great guy and you can see why uh, Corbin's such a great dude as well. But I've known Corbin for a long time and one of the stories I think I've shared before was my first opportunity to get to know Corbin. We went out on a golf course and I was uh, coming up to a turn and he was on the phone with his then girlfriend, Sarah, and I punched it, not that they go fast, but around corners, I punched it and I took a really hard turn. Corbin goes flying out of the vehicle, stays on the phone with Sarah. That's when I knew it was going to make it. And I'm like, oh dear God, I hope he stayed on the phone because he's going to kill me if he didn't. And so he laughed about it. He's talking to her. He's like, hey, that was a good one. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to be friends with this guy forever. So now we recently get into mountain biking and we've been out a couple times and then I, I wasn't able to go with him the, the last time that he went and I get, I just get this notification on Facebook that he was injured. <laughs> so I feel like that response is the same response Sarah gave him because if you know Sarah, Sarah's just full of nurturing and compassion and she's like, dude, it's 1030 at night. I'm not waiting up for you to get home from, from the hospital. And if you have not seen that Facebook thread, that little exchange, it's a blast because Corbin had on a wristband that said fall risk. And I think Daryl took a picture po or sent it to Sarah. Sarah posts it. It's beautiful. You guys just really need to check that out. So it's always fun when I get to come to a place again 
because it's like they gave me a second chance. And it's, it's, it's one of those is like, hey, however big of a mess I make, I'm leaving. Corbin, you, you have fun cleaning this up, whatever that's going to look like. So I'm just grateful for, for Corbin for, and, and even just for this topic, second chances, you know, because I think that there is something about second chances that, you know, it's, you can look at it through the lens of, I only have a second chance because maybe I messed up the first chance or I have a second chance, wherever, however you're kind of defining the second chance. I feel like this is such a great illustration of the struggle for obedience. And so we're, we're in a series called Jonah, so which means that we're studying the book of Jonah. And I have the opportunity to talk about Jonah chapter 3. And let me just catch you up for a second, because Jonah is actually known as the reluctant prophet. And uh, I think it's kind of comforting to me to know that there are Bible characters and personalities that struggle with the same things that I struggle with. And that, that how they play those things out. Now, thank goodness I have never ended up in the belly of a fish. But that's part of our recap is that Jonah was told to do something. Jonah responds in disobedience. Jonah runs. Jonah ends up on a boat. They he shipwrecked. They end up tossing him over. He gets caught up in the belly of a fish. And then he gets vomited out of the belly of the fish. And now we're going to pick up in chapter 3 of kind of where he is. So the big idea for this series has been that obedience is rarely comfortable, but it's always necessary. And so we kind of kind of take a look at that. And if you have your Bible, if you want to open up to Jonah chapter 3 or your Bible app, however you're going to be reading. Uh, so basically, we kind of set the stage for where he is. And what I love about this chapter, chapter 3, is that this is like the fun chapter to get to talk about. Because the first couple chapters is all about you know him, his, his responding in disobedience. And now here he is, that he's going to respond in obedience. And then next week, you get to kind of see how he feels about responding in obedience. So I feel like this is the perfect uh, portrayal of him as, you know, as, as just this good human. Because disobedience and then pretty much whining is what come next. But we get to talk about his obedience for a second here. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at his second chance and see where he actually gets to live out the obedience and how we can kind of take away from that this morning. And so my point, the thing that I really want to try to drive home today is simply this, that your second chance is given to you, but it may be for someone else. And we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like, that my obedience may be, what if my obedience is more for someone other than just me? It's going to benefit me. It's going to impact me. But what if it's for someone else? Think about your life, how your life would be different if somebody didn't make the decisions they made that maybe gave you the opportunity to be sitting in a church or to have this belief system that you have. Somebody goes first. Maybe you're the first one. For me, that was my grandmother, that my grandmother's obedience directly impacted my life. Now, every life that I get to intersect with and impact, fruit. You know, she is the first one. Because she didn't get raised in a household of, of Christians. She didn't go to church. She decided that she's going to, there's something pulling her into that, so she responded obediently. And so my life is a result of her obedience. So what if your obedience isn't just for you? So maybe you just reframe this whole conversation of, it's maybe I'm going to be obedient to God for somebody other than me. And we're going to look at how Jonah did that. So let's jump in. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, if there's a second time, it means that there was a first time. And if the word of the Lord is coming to Jonah a second time, 
I'm wondering if that just means that he didn't do exactly what he was supposed to do with it the first time. So here's Jonah's getting a second chance. The Lord spoke a second time. Does anybody know how that feels to have, to have said something more than once? Has anybody got a kids? Has anybody got a spouse? Anybody got a job? Anybody have other people in their lives? And you just say something, and wouldn't it be great if everybody just responded the first time when you said it? And then they did it exactly how you meant it. Because they may respond, but they interpret it different than what you say. So if you could just rest in that emotion for a minute, you have to say it a second time. What does that say about you? How's that feel? To me, I usually get frustrated, get a little bit short-tempered, but God says, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you again, you've been through a lot. You know, you might still have some seaweed in your ears from the belly of that fish. You might still smell like vomit. So I'm just going to say it again. Where would we be if we didn't get second chances? There is a, has anybody ever heard of a restaurant called Hot Chicken Takeover? It's in, oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. That is, it's a, it's phenomenal. If you're ever in downtown Columbus, I think there's one in Cincinnati and they're trying to do more. The business model, I think this guy that started has even been on like Ellen DeGeneres because the business model and he's taken it to like Burger King and McDonald's and they're like, no, it's too risky. We can't do it. So he's just like, I'm going to grab my grandmother's recipes and I'm just going to start my own place. The business model is based on second chances. If you know anything about the hot chicken takeover, the people that are serving you, the people that work there are what's considered second chancers. So they either have a felony, they have, they've been homeless, they don't have the education, they can't, they have a really hard time finding employment elsewhere. So hot chicken takeover says, hey, we're going to provide you with an opportunity to earn income, but we're also going to teach you how to manage that money, how to get into an apartment. So it's such a great concept. Even if the food weren't good, you'd feel about, you'd feel good about going there and interacting with those people who are amazing. So if you ever have a chance, I would encourage you to go there and experience it. It's fantastic. But that whole business model is based on second chances. Have you ever been given a second chance? Have you ever been given another second chance? And then another second chance? Yeah. And it can be frustrating, but here's the good news. If you're not dead, he's not done with you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you might think you are, but he ain't done with you. He ain't done with you. Second chances are huge. And if you know statistics, and I do, I, I, get to, I get to hang out with Corbin and Sarah a little bit, and he's always talking so great about you, about this church, and about the people. And I love that because statistics will show you that 8 out of 10 people that start in full-time ministry do not end in full-time ministry. Because it's hard. I can't tell you how many times I've quit. I've quit more than once, but I feel like God just keeps saying, no, no, I've, I've actually walked away a couple times. And then I feel God pulled me back in or called me back in and I responded obediently. And now it's like, I don't, I just don't know how much longer I want to do this. Well, no, no, no. Did I tell you to stop? Did I tell you? And so I'm here to probably speak more to myself than anybody because my second chance may be somebody else's first chance. Maybe somebody else's only chance. Maybe my obedience is more about uh, helping somebody else than it is myself. So let's look at verse 2 here. He says, go into the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I gave you. I love that. He says, hey, I'm going to tell you a second time. I'm going to tell you to do the same thing I already told you. It's the exact same goal that I already told you. Guess what? How many of you know we don't get another opportunity until maybe we've taken advantage of the first opportunity? Why would God give us a new mission until we've, until we've completed the last mission? 
Why would he tell us to do something else if we're not going to do the first something that he told us to do? So I find myself sometimes, and maybe you do as well, you just feel like, God, I don't, you just feel distant. I don't know where you are. I don't know how to, I, I'm not hearing from you. And a lot of times I'll just ask people, well, what's the last thing he told you to do? Have you done it? Well, no. Then why would he speak to you again if you're not going to listen? So maybe that's a place where you are, is that you're just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not hearing from God anymore. Well, pay attention. Did you do the last thing that he told you to do? Because when God spoke to Jonah a second time, he told him the same thing. Hey, you didn't do it before. I'm going to give you another opportunity. Now, go do it. And so, what's, what's Jonah do? Jonah, on uh, chapter 3, verse 3, says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He obeyed. Do you know that there's really only two responses when God tells you to do something? Obedience or disobedience? Well, it's delayed obedience. It's disobedience or it's obedience. It's obedience or disobedience. So he felt uncomfortable, but he's going. I don't want to do it, but I tried it my way. Now I'm going to listen, and I'm going to do it your way. He's, he went on, it was uncomfortable, fleeing ship, in a storm, shipwrecked, thrown overboard, in a fish, but now he's going to obey. It says, now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. More uncomfortableness. God, I want to do what you told me to do, but man, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take me three days to even get there to say something. Has anybody ever started a project and it takes them longer than you thought it would? That's like everything I do in my house. I tell people, I, there's no reason I should own a home. I am not a handyman. Everything always takes longer and costs more. And then it doesn't even turn out the way that I wanted it to, so you just got to hire somebody else to come in and just break it and start over. Because it's so inconvenient to start something that's just gonna, it's easier to just not start it than to start it and have to go through the pain of it. Anybody ever just said, man, I'm just going to start eating right. You have a salad and then you're surprised you didn't lose 10 pounds already. <laughs> or man, I'm, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get jacked. It's like, man, I did a sit up and there's still this. I don't know where all that, what happened? We want the result immediately. We don't have to, we don't want to have to go through the work of it. Or I want to retire someday, so I'm going to put $10 in an account and hope it builds to a place where I can just be done with this whole thing. We don't want to go through the uncomfort or the discipline of having to do what it takes. I just recently, as of July 1st, I started my own coaching and consulting. And then I just expected everybody to just come running to me. July 2nd, I still had a, I didn't have a full calendar. I'm like, well, what's that? What's going on? I just wanted everybody to just show up. Well, how many of you know that if you're going to do something obedient, it might take longer? It might cost you more than you think it's going to cost, but it doesn't, it doesn't give us a reason to not do what we're called to do. Just because it's God's plan doesn't mean it's going to be quick, and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Verse 4 says, Jonah began by going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, here's what he's saying, this is what's great, this is what he didn't want to do, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I'm thinking, man, I don't know that I would have wanted to proclaim that either. Because I'm going into this place and telling these people that 40 days is pretty much the end of your life. It's total destruction. But the crazy thing about Jonah is Jonah didn't want to deliver the news because it was bad. He wanted the bad thing to happen to them. He didn't want to deliver the news because he didn't want them to turn from their ways because he thought they deserved the destruction. And how many of you know that obedience with a bad attitude is even better than disobedience? Jonah went into it like, all right, fine, I'm going to tell them, but I hope they don't repent. He didn't want to do it. And that, let's wrestle with that tension for just a second. Why did Jonah not want to do it? Jonah didn't want to go into that city and tell them things, probably for the same reasons that we convince ourselves that obedience is inconvenient. Or, you know what? 
didn't, didn't just about every story you read in the Bible start with, really, Lord, me? Really, me? Do you got the right person? Am, am I really the one that you want to do this? Am I really the, but I don't speak well, but I don't communicate, but I don't, I don't do well. They won't look at me the same way. They'll... Our insecurities are really what gets in the way of our obedience. Insecurities can get in the way of obedience. We don't think we deserve the opportunity. If other people knew, they do know my past, therefore they won't accept this. What about just flat out fear? They're going to think of me differently. They're going to look at me differently. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to whatever. And, and it's our own fear that gets in the way. Or there's that false belief that, you know what? They don't deserve it. I want something bad to happen to them. We're setting ourselves up as the judge, just like Jonah did. Jonah's saying, I don't want to do it. Because he already prejudged those people that he thought that they deserved what they were about to get. And he knew that if he goes in there and gives this word, they may repent and then they won't get what he thinks they deserve. So the lies that we tell ourselves are reasons that stops us from being obedient to God. Because obedience will expose your insecurities. If the reasons you're telling yourself you can't or won't do the thing that God's calling you to do are our own insecurities. Jonah decided that he didn't want to be obedient, so what did he do? He ran. And he hid. He tried to run from it and he tried to hide from it. Where are you tempted to run and hide? You pay attention to what God's telling you to do and then what you do in response to that if it's running and hiding. It will expose your insecurities. I've got three daughters, and my youngest daughter, name is Reagan, and she's 11 years old, and over the summer we were in a, a Circle K, because you know, in Circle K you can get like a bucket of Icy for like 78 cents, and so she needed a bucket of Icy, because she was having a good, a good day, and we were celebrating. We walk in, and she had on a lacrosse jersey, she plays lacrosse, and there were two girls, one was a pretty good size for that age, and the other one was about Reagan's size. And uh, they just kind of elbowed themselves and pointed. Well, Reagan didn't see them do that, but I did. And I thought, well, maybe they just play, play lacrosse. Maybe those are her friends. They're going to like jump out and surprise her. I was totally wrong. <laughs> we get in there, we leave, and, and my daughter Reagan says, hey, Dad, did you see those two girls in there? I said, yeah. She's like, they want to fight me. You're 11. What'd you do? She's like, well, at lunchtime, our, my friends got their friend out in Foursquare, and they want to fight me. I said, why didn't you tell me that in there? She's like, what would you have done? I'm like, I'll tell you what I'd have done. <laughs> said, I'd have waited for them to get in line. I'd have got right behind them in line. And as soon as they were ready to pay, I'd have pushed them out of the way and said, I'm buying their stuff. She's like, you'd have bought their stuff? I'm like, what do you think? I'm going to put them through a wall? They're 11. <laughs> I said, Reagan, how do you overcome evil? You overcome evil by doing good. You know, I'm telling her, I'm telling her God's word in a very, a very, uh, just a timely manner. Hey, how do you overcome evil by doing good? What do you do? You bless those who persecute you. That's what you do. And she's kind of like, I like the wall idea a little better, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> so I go home. I go. I, the next day, I come home, and she's just kind of. I walk in, and and my wife is just standing there waiting on me to come in, which never happens. So I know something's up, and she's just kind of doing one of those. Reagan sitting over there, just kind of like this. And then my 13-year-old's just kind of hovering like, I want to see this whole thing play out. I said, what's up? And Reagan says, hey, Dad, you know how you always say, bless those who persecute you and overcome evil by doing good? I said, well, Jesus said it, but I'll take the credit. Thank you. She said, well, I did that. I said, well, tell me that story. She said, well, I went to those girls. I wrote a letter and I handed it to the big one. <laughs> 
I said, the big one, not the little one? So I handed it to the big one. I said, what'd she do? She's like, she read it and handed it to the little one. The little one's the leader, by the way. The big one was, you know, they were both, I, I think the big one was the muscle. Brain, muscle, whatever. I said, well, how'd that go? She's like, well, they came up to me and said, who wrote this letter? And Megan said, I did. And they hugged me, Dad. They hugged me. And they said, Reagan, you're the bigger person. We're so sorry. We don't want all this girl drama. We don't want to fight, which was all in the letter. I don't want the girl drama. I don't want to fight. One of us has got to be the bigger person. Whatever I did to make you mad, I'm sorry. I'd rather be friends than enemies. And they hugged. I said, well, how'd that feel? She's like, felt pretty good. I said, well, what happened next? She's like, then the big one almost started crying and said, Reagan, you're the bigger person. I'm so sorry I ever wanted to fight you. And she's like, and then I went to the principal's office. I'm like, you did? For what? She's like, well, the assistant principal got a hold of the letter. And I'm thinking, well, there must have been a little more in that letter than what you just told me. And the assistant principal says, Reagan, did you write this letter? She said, yes, ma'am. She's like, thank you for being a model student. And thank you for handling. And it just went. So now what do we have? We have the Word of God going forth. Somebody responding and being obedient to it. Look at what happened. Now, I've got plenty of other examples where it doesn't play out that way, but that would have been a horrible message, so let's just stick with this one. <laughs> it doesn't always go that well. But I thought, she heard the Word of God. What if my grandmother hadn't said yes to this faith journey? This guy would not be. You know where this guy would be? This guy would have probably followed after his grandfather, who was, he was in the military. He gets out of the military. His pension was paying for a week-to-week hotel or motel, or whatever, you rented it by the week, and his, his pension went to pay the week and his alcohol bill. He died drunk alone in an elevator by himself. What if my grandmother hadn't said yes? What would My daughter would be being bullied. If I even have a daughter, I'd probably be in prison. Somebody has to say yes. Somebody has to go first. Hear from God. Respond obediently. Those are your options. Your second chance may be given to you but it may be for others. So delivering negative news can have a positive result because she set herself up. Reagan's left-handed and she doesn't have the best penmanship and it doesn't spell every word correctly. These girls could have got that and then made fun of her. They could have got that and made copies and just made her the biggest laughing stock of everything. But she went for it. And God responded and saying, you know what? You overcome evil by doing good. And to this day, they're still friends. I thought, man, that is awesome. So look at what happened. The fast pro, uh, a fast was proclaimed once Jonah goes in and says, hey, 40 days, you're all going to be destroyed. And all of them to the greatest of least put on sackcloth. Verse 6. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from the throne, took off his royal clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. Now, a fast is, is, is what's going to happen here is they're all going to go into this season of taking off the royal robes and they're going to just humble themselves. That's taking off royalty, putting on the humility, sitting in the dirt. They're going to go without food. They're going to go without water and let everyone call urgently on God. Let him give up their evil ways. It's called repentance. So the king heard the news and responded obediently. You know what's funny about that? Is that the king heard it from Jonah. Actually, the people heard it from Jonah the first time responded. And then the king heard it secondhand from the people who heard it from Jonah responded obediently. But it took Jonah two passes to hear it from God. God says it took him twice. Jonah says it. The people respond, tells the king secondhand, and he responds obediently. Anybody else feel like, 
I got a little bit of Jonah in me. I can hear it and take my time doing it. This is what's crazy is that our obedience influences other people. Our obedience does and can and will influence other people. Your second chance may be given to you, but it could be for someone else. Verse 9, he says, who knows? Maybe God will relent. This is the king saying this. Maybe God will relent, show us compassion from his fierce anger, and we will not perish. Look at verse 10. When God saw what they did, turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on the destruction that he had threatened. The plan was destruction. The response was obedience and repentance. The plan changed. Did you ever think you could change the mind of God? Holy, that changes everything. I think Charles Stanley said this, and I love this quote, obedience is 100% your responsibility. The results are 100% his responsibility. Think about that. My daughter responded 100% just in obedience. The results was totally up to him. Jonah responds obediently, and look what happens. The people respond obediently, repent, and look what happens. I looked up the word relented, and here's what it means. Abandon or mitigate a harsh intention or cruel treatment. God's plan, total destruction. Their obedience and response says, ah, I'm going to relent. Here's other synonyms. Change one mind. Become merciful. Become lenient. Have pity. Show mercy. Concede. God conceded because of their obedient response. Just because we think other people won't hear it doesn't mean we don't need to say it. Just because we think other people don't deserve it doesn't mean we don't need to deliver it. Obedience opens the door to God's grace and mercy. What would happen if you, just starting today, decided to say yes obediently to God? What would have happened if, if your relatives or pe previous people before you said yes? Where would you be? How would your life be different? But what if you just started now and said, how will my family be different when I hear from God and respond obediently? How will my children's children, how will my grandchildren's grandchildren, how? You've got an opportunity to create a legacy. And it starts with immediate obedience. Hear from God, respond obediently. If we could just narrow this whole Christian walk down to one statement, I believe it's hear from God, respond obediently. Now that doesn't mean that's easy. How do you hear from God? How do, when do you respond obediently? There's all kinds of stuff mixed up in that statement. But I believe that's as simple as it gets. What if we started now? What would happen in this church? What would happen in this community? What would happen in the state? What would happen if people turned, repented, would the plan change? Would God relent? Obedience, how has the power to save more than just nations? Obedience is more than, it's not just about you. It could be and probably is about others. And obedience has a greater impact than just your life. What if we all heard from God and responded obediently? Jonah was told, go. And obedience always requires an action. It's a verb. It's go. Go. And I would ask you this. What is he telling you to do that you haven't done yet? What if he gave you a second chance to do it? Would he say the same thing again because you haven't done it? Or are you ready for your next assignment? Because out of obedience you did it and you're just waiting on your next assignment now. You're ready. What would that sound like? Obedience is rarely about comfortable, but it's always necessary. Your second chance may be given to you, but it could be for someone else. 
your only response is either obedience or disobedience. And what does that look like? Think about the best second chance you've ever been given. Maybe you're in a relationship and that person breaks up with you and you're gone. And now you meet the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams. You've got a second chance at relationships and it's better than the first chance that we got. Maybe it's the job that you thought it was because you got, you got fired or transitioned or downsized or whatever. And now you're in a different season and it's just better than you thought it was because you have a second chance at this. What if it's this faith journey? What if you're here today and I'm not even sure where you are with Jesus, but you're saying, you know what? This is, this is, this is my second, second chance. This is my first, second chance. This is my third chance. But you know what? It's a chance. You're hearing from God. Now what are you going to do with that? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for just a second because there is an opportunity for somebody in this room to say, you know what, Lord? I've got this chance to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe it's my second chance. Maybe I said I would, but I didn't. So I want to, I want to ask us to do something different than just pray. And I don't want to minimize prayer, but here's what I want to do. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, just out of respect to those next to you, I just want you to relax for a second. Taking a deep breath, and even just feel that breath going in your nose and just into your lungs. Feel your chest just expand and just, Lord, thank you for this breath. Let's just start with gratitude. Lord, thank you that I'm even here. And as you just take another deep breath and just relax and maybe both feet on the floor and just feel your shoulders just release and the tension in your jaw. Just relax. And in this place in your mind, I just want you to think of the safest you have ever felt. Maybe it's a place in your childhood you had a secret fort. Maybe it's a vacation you took. And if you have never felt safe in your life, create a place. Because this place, there's no fear. There's no judgment. There's no, there's no critical. There's no, there's no fear of failure. This is just you. This is the truest version of who you are. You don't have to fake. You don't have to prove. You don't have to hide. Just be there. I want you to just invite Jesus into that place. And as Jesus is coming into that place, He's not bound by time or space or energy or gravity. And Is He flying into you? Is He walking to you? But He's coming to you. And I want you to just pay attention. What's His, what's his facial expression? Is He smiling because He's so happy to see you? And as he gets closer, you can see his hair. Is it long? Is it short? Has it got some gray in it? Visualize it. Make it vivid. Has he got a, has he got a full beard? Has he got a partial beard? Five o'clock shadow? Has he got some, a big beard? Is he in the traditional white Jesus robe? Or is he wearing something different? This is your place, your space, your safe. What does that look like for you? And as you and Jesus interact, I just want you to just picture Him embracing you. and Just feel as He takes in a deep breath, you can feel His chest expand and yours expanding. This is the One who died on the cross for your sins. He is embracing you. Just feel that. Feel His love for you. Now as you just kind of pull back your face from His face and stare right into His eyes. Maybe His eyes are tearing up a little bit because He's so glad to just have this moment with you. And You can just see the blacks in His eyes as they glisten because they're just watery eyes. And I want you to just ask Jesus, Lord, what do You want me to do? What have You told me that I haven't responded obediently to? What do I need to hear again? 
or Lord, I'm ready for my next assignment, whatever that is. Just in this place of quiet and still and peace, because you're in the presence of Jesus, there's peace in his presence. You just have this sense of awe because you're interfacing with, with the one that died for you, the Savior of your soul, the creator of the universe. And he's taking a deep breath, and with that breath, he's putting his through his vocal cords, and he's saying something to you right now. What is he saying? You can just feel, you can see his lips move. You can feel the breath on your face because he's so close. And now you respond. What is your response to him? And now that you have something that Jesus has said, I want you to just picture yourself. Be a kid again. When was the last time you had fun? Why don't you and Jesus just go do something fun? Grab his hand, go for a run, skip, pass ball, throw rocks, fly. You're not bound by time or space or energy or gravity. You and Jesus just do something fun, childlike if you will. And just know that this Christian walk doesn't always have to be serious. We can have fun. And that Jesus loves us. He still has a plan for our lives. And it's our responsibility to obey or disobey. So Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've already done. And thank you for what you're currently doing. And Lord, I just pray that as every one of us had the opportunity to go to this place in our minds, this safe place to create a, a place to interact with you, Lord, to use our imaginations because that's what we do when we worry. We use our imaginations to create a negative future. So Lord, I just thank You that we were able to use our imaginations to interact with the One who died for our sins. And maybe today you ask somebody, please start following me. Let me lead your life. Maybe you told somebody else today it's time that you, whatever that is, help us, Lord. We have heard from You. Now may we respond obediently. May we walk this out in a way that says, this might be to me. But Lord, just even now, give us this picture of all the people, all the people that you died for that could be impacted, that will be impacted if we walk out in obedience. Or just give us a visual of all the people. Maybe it's one that's going to affect a thousand. Maybe it's a thousand that's going to affect ten thousands. But all the people that will be impacted and affected by our obedience, just give us a small glimpse of that even now. And Father, as we have created this place in our minds that we can come back to any time to interact and interface with you, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for meeting us where we're at. Thank you for this story of Jonah that, Lord, makes us feel even more human at times. That the people that you wrote about in your word experience and struggle with the same things that we do today. Lord, thank you that you're with us, that you'll never forsake us, you'll never leave us, and as long as we're living, you are not done with us. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening, and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening, and that God is asking you, to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www. 
mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.